0: Is CoWork Inc. with Tom Lewis weekly discussion and debate about all things co-working. Hello and welcome to the CoWork Inc. podcast. Uh, with me, Tom Lewis. Uh, I'm the founder and operator of the Guild Hub uh, in Bath here in the UK. Um, and continuing this series of podcasts, uh, this week I am talking about interiors, hub interiors, co-working interiors. Um, and it's a quite a topic close to our hearts here right now at the Guild, as we just celebrated our third birthday. We thought we'd have a bit of a program of refurbishment, and we have been slowly designing and executing a refurb program in our diner area. Uh, we're about to start on our breakout area, and then our main co-working space, the engine room. Um, for a couple of reasons, really. One is that we're you know we're uh, with many more members. We are finding that the original uh, fixtures and fittings are starting to get worn. Also, uh, with an increase in members, we need an increase in capacity for things like lunchtime. So we've been a bit more clever with the layout of our diner. Um, And also we've realised over the time how we want to demarcate our areas in a slightly different way than we did when we opened up. So it's partly development and progress that's led to us uh, having a refresh. And finally, I think um, probably most pertinently for um, any other operators out there that people will understand is we've had to work out. We've had a, I wouldn't say a crisis of identity, but we've had a um, real discussion in-house about whether we are a workspace or whether we are a members club and I know a lot of people will say it's the community stupid it's all about the community and I know that but we were to some people we were more about work and to some people we were more about uh, networking and meeting people so and both of those are important in the community so we have as a community we have decided that our focus is on us as a membership space Part networking, part workspace, part social space. And with that in mind, we've started to um, provide a bit more comfort uh, for things like uh, our diner, um, our breakout space, uh, as well as our um, spaces for purely for working. So what I wanted to do today was just talk very quickly um, about five different interior areas, uh, topics of interest that uh, I've got an opinion on. Got opinion on most things, but this is about interiors. So, and, and some of these things are things you'll find in every co-working space. If you're looking to open a co-working space, some of it's a bit frivolous, some of it's kind of like uh, you know, the memes of co-working, the stuff that you find in all co-working spaces. And number one is is has always been a bit of a co-working meme, and that is the famous, the infamous IKEA expedit bookcases. There seems to be an unwritten rule that all co-working spaces need to have at least one white. 4x4 Expedit bookcase. I'm pretty sure they've changed their name now. I've read somewhere that they've changed the name. Uh, They have shaved a millimetre off the size of each segment of this bookcase uh, to save billions of forests of trees. And I don't know if it's called the same thing in the States, but you know what I mean. You know the standard IKEA room divider bookcase. Everyone must have one. If you don't have one in your hub, you need to have one. Um, You know, you may get the IKEA uh, compliance officers come round and tell you you need to buy one. So you need to get out there and buy uh, an expert, um whatever it is they're calling them now. I'm sure somebody will tell me what they're called. Um, so get yourself an IKEA, uh, IKEA expedite and join the club. So the second thing that we uh, we all know is the latest, uh, not even the latest, but when, when we opened the hub here in Bath, we had um, suspended ceilings everywhere. The building we came into is a beautiful building as I always talk about. Um, but the building, uh, the interiors were uh what we call 19, 1970s 1980s chic so it was including uh, suspended ceilings and at the time when we refurbed the building i asked the project team who were helping me and uh, the building team that we wanted to take down the um the suspended ceilings to re- to reveal the services underneath and they were appalled um the Project managers at the council who were helping us with the build were appalled and puzzled, and they said, "There's all sorts of things behind there. There's, there's uh, air conditioning, and there's power, and there's data, and all sorts of stuff." And we did it anyway. And I had an amazing uh, electrician that helped us with the build, who we're still in touch with now and still does stuff for us now. An amazing guy who who suffers with OCD in a good way, and he um, we suspended the ceiling stand, and he made everything look incredible. All the wires parallel and perfect, and all the screws in the right direction, all that kind of thing. So. As we all know now, exposing these services is the thing that you do. Um, and interestingly, I I went and met with a local estate agent, real estate guy, to talk about future projects. And this is the same guy that had come to the guild before we built it, who said I was an idiot for taking the suspended ceilings down. And now I've taken him around, and he says, well, everyone's doing that. He wasn't even impressed by it. <laughs> it's kind of like, So it shows you how much has changed in three years. So... Expose services, expose some of your services. If you're running a space that has suspended ceilings, uh, expose your services. Although I do think in maybe four or five years' time, a growth market will be replacement suspended ceiling tiles. So I'm sure that there's some entrepreneur playing the long game who's stockpiling these tiles, maybe of different types and different colours and different gradients, ready for when they either come back into fashion or when those that, that did stay with suspended ceilings need to replace the odd tile here or there. Could be a seller's market, who knows. Okay, the third thing interior-wise, and this is something I, I totally admit that we got wrong when we built the guild, width of desk. So standard desk widths um, seem to be about 1,600 mils, 1.6 metres, Um, 1. 6 meters. um and that's what people are used to working at in an office. they get a big desk, they put their, their monitor there, they put their PC, they put their picture of their kids, their phone. But on a in a co-working space, when people are bringing a laptop and a mobile phone, there isn't really much need for that space. The problem is, if you give them that space, they expand to fit that space. And we've realised after the fact, and I say this is something I admit we got wrong when we built this space, was we, the, the desks we bought were too big. They were for, for traditional offices. Um, and now when we're buying desks, even for the permanent guys, we're talking 1.2 metres maximum, and that's fine. And even smaller than that, for our co-working desks, So we have big, long benches in our main space, and these are touchdown desks, these are hot desking desks, there's no permanent people there. And we didn't have a demarcation between the desks apart from the physical, where they were bolted together, And again, that was kind of 1.6. It may have even been 1.8 metres. It was big desks, but they were bolted together. So what we did, what my colleague, my ex-colleague Tajana did, was she, overnight one night, she took a roll of tape, electrical tape, and she measured out one-metre divisions between from one end of the desk to the other end of the desk. They were four metres long, these desks. And instantly, overnight, or in the morning... People came in, they sat at the desk, they sit at every day, and they stayed within the confines of the one metre width divisions. And these are just bits of tape. And there was, we were quiet at the time as well, so there was not as if there was people, you know, adjusting for position. But psychologically, people wanted to be told what to do, you know, what the rules were, what the permission was. And it worked great for us. We went from being... Fairly quiet, but people still saying they had problems knowing where, finding somewhere to sit. To effectively, I don't know, not necessarily doubling, but adding a third, what seemed like a third capacity to our space because people had a sensible amount of space to work. So, next time I open a space, desk sizes are going to be very, very important. The amount of space per person um, is hugely important because it affects your the number of well clearly the number of memberships you can sell, the amount of revenue per square foot um and people don't need that much room to work assuming you allow you know you also have space for breakouts for discussions you know meeting spaces and that kind of thing so number four is something that i have a a real um interest in i don't actually have one myself but we do have some here at the hub and i do use them sometimes and these are uh, sit stand desks so we all know, or most of us know, that, that standing up at work, at least for part of the time, is very healthy. Um, we have a raised breakfast bar instead of a reception desk, where which you really need to have to stand at to work. Um, and I had it raised up that height because I'm six foot eight, two metres tall, um, and I was just being selfish, really. But standing up and working is great. Stand-up meetings are great. Um, and we do have, well, we have two sit-stand desks For co-workers to use and they're very very popular and increasingly permanent people we have a small number of permanent people in one room working they also want uh, electric sit-stand desks Um, and I've as I've started to get used to it I can see the benefits not only health-wise but on the phone if you're phoning people if you're in sales I mean everyone's in sales these days if we're phoning potential members we're phoning members uh, I'm talking to suppliers um, I'm trying to sell consultancy standing up is a great way to do it and it makes me feel more authoritative um, and more confident uh, and I really think it's the way of the future I don't think we'd get all sit-stand desks um, more than anything else because it would it would um, jar with my own OCD and we'd have desks up and down all over the place but certainly for members in any space I would have a bank of sit-stand desks and I think for permanent members I would probably make it um, the standard kit out because people don't have to use them if they don't want to. I mean they just set them to the the height they want. And bear in mind even sitting down, people are different heights, so you know, everyone everybody wants a adjustable chair. So an adjustable desk also makes sense either way. So sit stand desks, very important. And that brings me on to the last one, which um again this may cause some controversy, discussion, but those of you who have been in co-working for a while will know what I mean. It's the fun stuff. It's the stuff that people think they want and think they need. And we're talking table tennis tables, foosball tables. I won't say pinball tables because they're great, but the stuff that takes up a footprint of your space that you got because you thought it would look cool, people would use it, it would create community, um, and which tends to just gather dust. We took a decision very early on not to have any of those items, partly because I'd worked in spaces where they'd not been used, partly because we thought for the budget we've got, we weren't gonna be able to buy ones that were uh, industrial enough to stand up to the abuse they'd get from so many people. Um, But more than anything else, just that it was just unsellable space that wasn't gonna add anything apart from looking a bit cool. And if you're in an office where, you know, every square foot isn't effectively needing to to pay its way, then that's fine if you're, which we are, is in the business of making the space sustainable, making the community sustainable, then every square foot counts and people want to sit and work somewhere maybe it's a beanbag rather than a foosball table. You can still give those fun elements in different ways um, and give permission to play in different ways. So, you know, we're about to get an Xbox for our refurbished diner and that's just something, you know, people can just pick up and play it Um, and that's going to be fairly social but it doesn't actually take up any more space um, that people can't work at. So it'd be interesting to know what you guys think, um, but I'm very much of the opinion that the, the physical fun stuff that people, if you ask somebody that doesn't run a space or you ask me, isn't a member of the space, what do you think we should include in this space? They're all pretty much wasted waste of time. And maybe a US, UK thing, I don't know, but again, good to get some feedback on that. So that's it. So the five um, interior areas of interest I've talked about. IKEA, here, room divider, bookcases, expedite, whatever they're calling them these days. Exposed services, uh, AC, electrical, that kind of stuff. Um, desk sizes and, and the um, suitability of different desk sizes. Sit-stand desks, um, do you use them? Where do you use them? Should they all be sit-stand? And then the viability and suitability and appropriateness of the fun stuff, foosball tables and, and table tennis tables. Um, be good to know what anyone thinks let me know um you can email me uh, tom at coworkinc.co.uk that's t-o-m at coworkinc, coworkinc.co.uk c-o-w-o-r-k-i-n-c dot uk. um and please continue to subscribe to this podcast um tell your friends about it tell the industry about it um if any of it makes sense to you you can find us on itunes and everywhere else that you find podcasts um and yeah continue to listen thanks for your support You've been listening to Coworking with Tom Lewis. Subscribe and listen to previous episodes at soundcloud.com slash Coworking. Coworking returns next week.